0: have your attention please you're listening to tales from the tanaway with eleanor hamilton
1: anonymous voices follow us around all over the place the person who tells you the lift's going up or to stand clear of the doors isn't automated they're real but who are these people what are their stories my voice tells you to please stand clear of the closing doors on the london underground my husband phil says
0: mind the gap
1: but he isn't alive anymore although we work together every day, and I hope we always will. Our story was told in Episode 1, but in Tales from the Tannoy, I plan to tell the stories behind all the anonymous voices we know so well. So far, I've spoken to all sorts of people, from supermarket checkouts to satnavs, and they've all had fascinating lives with major ups and downs. But what about the voices on the telly? Not just on adverts, but behind the cartoon characters? Mark Silk provides the voices of quite a few, and rather than getting me to list them all, Mark, can you tell us who you've been so far?
0: Let me help. The voice of Exmo in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Like man, it's really creepy, Scoob. Right, Scoob? Yeah, creepy. Scooby Dooby Doo. <laughs> Johnny Bravo. Yeah, man. Oh, mama. Five, four, three, twelve, one. Thunderbirds are go. Danger Mouse. I'll get you, Danger Mouse. Crikey, Chief. Bob the Builder, but in America, if you grew up in the States and watched Bob the Builder, hi, it's me, can we fix it? Yes, we can. Or maybe not, union rules and not made in cash. Come on, guys, hustle.
1: And that's just for starters. Mark, thanks for joining us. Um, what's your story?
0: I went to college, and there was one day I was running for a bus, and this one day I couldn't run for the bus, which was a bit weird. And then a couple of days later, I was at home and I tried to play the piano and I couldn't move my fingers in the same way. And so anyway, long story short, I ended up having a few of the special pictures taken and you have a doctor that says to you, well, I'm not going to say it's a brain tumour. And he go, good. (laughs) And then it turns out that he was. So that. And um, it was in a really unusual place. Apparently there were only about 30 recorded cases of the version that I had. Uh, so bingo and it was well uh, done you. Thank you. And so <laughs> but I, I was I was in my late teens and back then there wasn't a lot of information about this kind of thing available. and so in a kind of naively happy way, my approach to it was well, that's inconvenient. I'll just get better then. And genuinely, that is how I handled it. And so what I had was, a, it was a brain tumour right in the middle of an area that you don't want it, which they, at the time I was doing um, work experience at a radio station and uh, to treat the thing, they gave me radiotherapy, of the irony. right? Uh, and it was, it wasn't nice. I had, it was for 30 days and um, it's... Not particularly pleasant, and um, over. I mean, you talk about what we've been going through recently with lockdown here. This, as we record this and have this chat now, this is my third month in lockdown. Although, having said that, I went to Costco shopping today, so that was marvelous. So wow! This, so this been living a you know, dream. Yeah, but you know what it's <laughs> like just being isolated, going through what we've been doing right now. We're up to three months of that now. I basically had to take a year off back in well back in nineteen ninety, and. Um, I lost all my hair through radiotherapy, I lost a lot of weight, I couldn't walk, I was in a wheelchair, Uh, I couldn't eat, and you go, well, I'll better take some time off then. Hmm. But what it did for me was something quite remarkable, it actually, it, it changed my attitude towards life in general. Uh, and it gave me a really healthy outlook on, on what really matters. Because you realise, you know what? The most important thing that you have is your health. Yes. Because without that, you have nothing. Then it's your family, because you get one shot at that. And then, frankly, everything else is gravy. And um, in that year of life, while I was just getting better, I did everything I could to surround myself with stuff that made me happy. So I watched movies that I love. I read books on heroes. I subscribed to all these different services in America of recordings of American radio. I learned about radio production and I learned about voice acting. I learned about special effects and all this kind of thing. And it was a brilliant distraction so that while I was going through, you know, getting better... This was my education in the background because with all this stuff, you know what? The, the the doctors will get you better. The doctors will take care of the, the uh, other stuff. It's up to you to make sure that you're in the best frame of mind to just go through it and be ready to come out on the other side. And, and that's kind of what I did. It's, it's funny when people talk about this kind of thing. It, it's a it's an awful thing for anyone to have gone through. And the thing that I think a lot of people can forget as well, as a, a sidetrack, is how important it is that the people in your family or the people around you, because as someone that's going through it, you're just the one that had it. The other people are the ones that saw it. Yes. You know, my mom and dad were absolutely incredible. Uh, and for them to have been there and got me through, you know, a, a moment that was a bit rough, they had to deal with that. I was just the one that went through it. And I've got so much respect and love for what they did for me. Yeah, And anything I can ever do to help somebody else that that... He's going through something like that. I I try to. When I was at the radio station, I was at a BRMB, a radio station doing work experience. And one of the things that I loved, every week I looked forward to a promo that came through for a show called The American Countdown hosted by this great American DJ called Benny Brown. Hi, hello, it's Benny Brown telling you all about this week's American Countdown. And every week while I was at my mom and dad's place, basically getting better, um, a friend, Mark Keane, who, who did a radio show that I did bits of voice work for, my very first bits of voice work, he would come over to the house with a cassette of the latest promo from Benny Brown. And it was, you know, it, and it was just a nice little routine that he, he would, he would let me hear what was going on. And this one weekend, he came in, and mom and dad came in as well into my bedroom just to hear this thing being played on a cassette. And what I heard was, "Hi, Mark Silk, this one's for you, buddy," and I just burst into tears. He'd had a special version of this promo recorded by Benny Brown for me. <sighs> oh. And oh my God, it was, and I remember the wording, it was, I want you to get better. And you better do it soon because the American Countdown Roadshow is coming to town and I'm saving you a seat. How wonderful. (laughs) And I will always remember that, the, the fact that this friend did that for me and that Benny Brown recorded that for me. And back then as well, to get it to you, they sent it via satellite. It was then recorded on reel-to-reel. He then copied it to a cassette tape. You then, you know, it was... This stuff, it really was a big deal. And that stuck with me. And I know the impact that had on my day and how happy it made me. And now, and again, you kind of think, well if there's anything I could ever do for somebody else that's going through a similar situation, I know how happy that made me at, at a day where, frankly, I could have done with feeling that happy. And I'm forever grateful for that. And I get asked to do these Comic-Cons um, every now and then throughout the year. You know, uh, assuming we ever, <laughs> we ever meet up with people it's, again.
1: I was going to say, assuming we uh, were allowed out of the house apart from to cosplay. Yes. Pay.
0: But I get asked to do these...
1: Although you could go in <laughs> fancy dress. As Betty brown.
0: I, I get asked to do these Comic-Cons and it's a real treat to be able to sort of give that that I had from that guy back to kids or fans of shows that I work on, because I know the effect it had on me. And if I can just do that every now and then for somebody else, um, I treasure that. That means a lot to me as a way of just saying thanks. Um, But it's funny as well. I think um, everyone d- deals with scary words in a very different way. Th- there's, um, I'm a patron for the Brain Tumor Charity. It's a lovely thing to be able to be part of. And Tom Daly is a patron, Helen Mirren's a patron, um, Ben Kingsley, a whole, a whole bunch of people. So
1: you're in very good company
0: then. In good, you're in good company. The catering is spectacular. But uh, <laughs> a little while back for their magazine, um, they asked if I'd do an interview, which I did. And told, they asked about what I did. And then they said... Um, so, people from the Brain Tumor Charity—they're wondering. You know, 30 years ago, when when you had yours, uh, obviously you've done great and you're well and you've had this amazing life and still do. And uh, and mm. I said, so they said, our readers would love to know which one did you have, what kind did you have? And I said, the one where you get better. Yes. And she went, ah. Oh. She said, no, seriously, you know, which you know, the actual medical name um, did you have? And I said, it really doesn't matter. I said, it doesn't matter because. All that anybody needs to to know is is that there is hope that you'll be okay as well. And you know, just because somebody had you know version A, it doesn't mean that your story will be the same as somebody else. All that matters is that you surround yourself with whatever you can to make yourself happy, no matter what you're going through. Yes, it might just be that your broadband's gone down, and you need a bit of a smile. You know, and how I feel when that ha- when that happens. But it really is often quite simple. You just surround yourself with whatever you can to make your day okay.
1: When you were going through your treatment, when you were recovering, yes, was that when you became interested in, for want of a better word, doing silly voices? Or was that something <laughs> that you'd always been good at?
0: It was a continuation. The last two years of school, I did a media course and it changed my life. Right. I was shy-ish at school. And one of the reasons why I nearly didn't do this media course was because there was a performance side to it. I wanted to be the button guy. I wanted to be... It was the craftsmanship that I loved, not being on stage or naming lights. It was the technical side, the the creation side that I adored. And I nearly didn't do this course because you had to do a performance. You had to do a radio show. Right. And in the end, I jumped in because otherwise I'd miss out on the other good stuff And it was like being pushed in the pool and figuring out you can swim really well because we had to do a radio show Mm -hmm. and it was everything that I adore. It was writing, comedy, editing, the technical side, performance, characters. It, It was fantastic. And I did this radio show for the school radio station. At the time, the school radio station was just the physics teacher playing Pink Floyd albums on a Monday lunchtime to clear the canteen. Because <laughs> the kids hated it. I think anything if a station, teacher likes, you're not going to really yeah. be into, are you? So there's a little school radio station um, st- you know, studio, really basic stuff, mm. and a cable that went to a speaker in the canteen, and he just plays stuff the kids hated to clear <laughs> the canteen. So because I was doing this thing that was kind of unusual, it, they heard I was doing something that sounded like an actual radio show. Mm. And it was influenced by all kinds of things. The, the show I was doing was influenced by Monty Python, Muppets, Robin Williams, Kenny Everett, Bill Hicks, all kinds of stuff. Brilliant. And, and then me playing songs that I thought were fun. And so I did this, this radio show um, just as a one-off. And um, halfway through it, the headmaster came up to the studio and he said, Who's doing this show? Uh, and they all went, him. And they he came up to me and he said, could you tell the kids to leave the cafeteria? They won't go. Oh, wow. So for the first time, they actually had a voice that was speaking to them. And and I wasn't doing a show that I would hear on the radio at that point. I was doing a show that I'd want to hear. It was amazing. And it was the start of me realizing, I think I found me. Mm. You know, you can, as a, as a, you know, any sort of creative person can take a long time often to sort of find their voice or what they're suited to. And this was the start for me. And I I knew I wanted to work in radio or host a radio show or do radio production, something like that. And then bit by bit, it kind of evolved into all these other things that I love that still use skills from hosting a radio show. But it was it was so much fun. Sounds
1: like it was. And how old were you when that started?
0: That would have been brr, 15, 16-ish. Last two years of regular school.
1: Uh-huh. And then you went to college and that's when things went a little bit... Right:
0: Well, yeah. Then I went to college for about three months, and that was when I, I went to run for the bus, realised I couldn't, and then had to take a year off life. Right.
1: So did you manage <laughs> like to go you back do. to college? You do do you, uh, did you manage to go back to college and finish your qualification in the end, or did you just kind of go straight into the world of radio?
0: I didn't want to. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there was that thing where you kind of go, oh well, I'm all right now. I'll go back to college. And I thought, well, why? Because I was already doing work experience and and getting bits of freelance work at this radio station. And I thought, well, hang on, I would be doing this college um, course to go and get work at a radio station. And I thought, do you know what? No, no, I'm going to do what makes me happy and I'm going to give it a shot. And if it works out okay, great. And if not, at least I gave it a go. I decided to be temporarily invincible. (laughs) <laughs> temporarily indestructible what was that 30 that's, years ago yeah yeah <laughs> fantastic I'm, I'm, that's, that's the plan <laughs> that is my plan to be temporarily indestructible <laughs> and uh, do you know what, as well that everyone's re- reaction to going through something like that is is different but it gave me a confidence because you kind of think do you know what if I can deal with that I can do with anything yeah and that's a real asset to, to take away from that that I don't think you would get with with uh, and, until you're much later on in your life. I think listening to you know other people you've spoken to, you tend to find that people's attitude changes greatly when they are probably in about their fifties and gone through a stack of trauma, because yes. <laughs> um, you realise what matters. Yeah. I saw that when I was really young. Mm. And so it gave me this outlook on life, which I'm really grateful for, because it made me think, it made me realise the this, this stuff that I treasure and what makes me happy and what I really want to get out of a day. It's important just to be content with, with yourself and be happy with what's around you and do what you can to try and make others be okay, you know. And anybody that doesn't get it could listen to someone talking like that and go you know what a bunch of tweeness and it's important actually because all I want is a happy day and that sounds so contrived but also twee but it, it is I love being around other people that are creative or fun or curious or interesting or have a story to tell. You know, I'm happy to hold in court all day. I, I, I will happily tell stories and, and, and laugh the day away. I really enjoy doing that. But at the same time, I love being around other people who, it, it might be nothing to do with voice acting. I, my, my friends are really, I've got a really diverse collection of friends. I, I love brilliant artists. I, I just enjoy other other people's stories and seeing other people be successful hearing what they do. I got a bunch of musician friends I uh, you know that I adore. I love what I do. I absolutely adore what I do. Mm. But I adore what a lot of other people do as well. And it's just lovely to be around that and, and meet people who have who you might just love what they do. You know, yeah. I'm a massive Billy Joel fan. This this isn't meant as a name properly Bobby. I I I got invited to go and, and see Billy Joel live Um, with Peter Kay.
1: Wow. He lives next door to a a friend of mine. Billy Joel. No, Peter Kay. Listen, love, I live in Bolton, so, you know.
0: (laughs) Well because we were working on a cartoon together called Roy the Racing Car yes I remember it because my boys used to watch it there you go well I was Maxie the great big Italian in the racing car and Maxie oh uh, loads of them this guy called Flash the Rabbit it was a right little tinker <laughs> I also always remember it's a privilege to be in the I've, I feel like it's a privilege to, to be in the room with so many of the people that I work with Yeah, you know I'm, I grew up as a big Thunderbirds fan and to I, I work on the, the new Thunderbirds i Go show and the, the cast on that are just the, the best I mean to walk into the room and the original voice of Parker is there, David Graham. Wow. And the fact that he knows my name, he's just, I just I could just go, okay, well, I can go now. And to walk in, he go, morning, David. And his name is David Graham. Yeah. And to walk in the room and he goes, morning, Mark. Wow. And he go, I'm done now. I can go now. Yeah. I've, I've peaked. Yeah, but, but little things like that yeah. are absolutely... Lovely. And then there's a great show called Go Jetters that I work on yes, for the I BBC. That one. Yep. I'm, 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 the, I'm the naughty Grandmaster Glitch. I'll get you no jetters. Yeah. <laughs> Again, the, the cast of that is great. But I get, to, I get asked to do these, these Comic Cons, and the number of kids, or, well, the number of kids that come up with go jetters or, or other grandmaster glitch toys or plushes or, or drawings they've done and just want to share it with you yeah it's so lovely to be able to sort of play to say thank you or or to just you know sign it for them or um to just give them something back it, it's an absolute thrill every couple of times a year there's a party at, at um Birmingham Children's Hospital that I get asked to you know get invited to go to and again just to give half a half of your day away and just spend time with them Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's signing stuff or telling them stories or showing them how to do voices yeah. or hearing them tell their stories. It's 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 so lovely. They do incredible work there. And in fact, my little my little dog honey, she's she's come and visited there a couple of times to me as well. If you ever get the chance to do something like that for somebody, I, I highly recommend it. In fact, yes. there was a kid that I met a few Christmases ago right. called Luon, and it was right as I'd packed up. All these pictures and things that I'd taken just to give to the, the, um, the, the patients and the carers at the hospital. Um, but this party they'd invited me to. This kid arrived in this proper Stephen Hawking wheelchair hmm. with, and he had oxygen and there was a carer and a nurse, and, all, and, and he was sitting there with his lightsaber. <sighs> And he, somehow word had gone around that someone that was in Star Wars was at this party and they got him dressed and he came down to say hello to me. And I just said, right, that's it. You are getting everything. Yeah. And I we had this chat. He couldn't actually speak, but I had this chat with him mm. and and I told him some behind the scenes stories and, you yeah. know, did the voices for him and I gave him a bunch of pictures. Within about a year of, of meeting this patient, he'd been on 24 hour care for, you know, Forever. I got invited to host a Star Wars symphony at the Royal Albert Hall. I
1: remember that. Yeah. I remember you. Oh
0: my. I, and yeah. it was a hell of a lineup. It was the Royal Symphonic Orchestra hosted by me <gasps> taking you through all your favourite Star Wars scores live at the Royal Albert Hall. And we did we did two shows in the one day. Yeah. And as soon as I found out I was doing that, I, I called up the um the person that, that runs the children's hospital um area that, that deals with those bits and pieces. I just said I was doing this thing and I said, if there's one kid that should be there, it's Luon. <sighs> How do we do it? And I, I said, I've spoken to the Royal Albert Hall, um I've cleared it with the Royal Symphonic Orchestra all we need to do is get in there. And they put a special team on it and we got in there. Brilliant! And it, just to be able to make a call and do something like that, that's what I adore as a bonus of getting out of what I do you know, for work. And
1: you're using your the privilege fa- for good things and in a positive way.
0: Yeah, because you, you go, if you can, do it, do it. And we got in there and I'm so glad we did. He loved it. His mom was there. He was dressed up in a proper little tuxedo and a bow tie. Oh, and I know the, um, they were so kind and they, you know, they wrote back and, and said the effect it had, had on him. Yeah. And my mom got to meet him and he met a bunch of friends of mine and I introduced him to some people that were there who'd come from the work on Star Wars and Doctor Who and things. And I'm glad we did. Uh, and as a, you know, um, the end of that, we um, we lost him a, oh. a, about a year ago. Oh, I'm so sorry. And... No, right. well but to know that we were able to do that for him is lovely. And just little moments like that. Yes. Um within the work that you do, that's nice.
1: Yeah. And it goes back to what you were saying before, really, doesn't it? About, you know, once you've been through a, a condition, you just live every day as if, you know and that's what you did for Luan. Been able to give him
0: a really special moment that actually a lot of people probably wouldn't have thought to give him. Oh, I, I just I just want to have a good day. That's it. You know, I've got a very optimistic outlook on the world I love what I do for a living but I also love everything that comes with that and the fun that you can have with that you know whether it's just me chatting with friends that that we get on and and tell each other stories or or just being able to do something like that for somebody else I know what that would have meant to me and so I yeah I I just want to have a good day it's really it's so simple I just want to have a good day and that's that's how I approach every day that's it really what a philosophy how easy have a good day (laughs)
1: I love it. Well, why not? I mean, it's it it is so simple, but it works, doesn't it? So, well, I mean,
0: yeah, it's it's incredible as well how you can how sometimes things that might have seemed like they were awful turn around. Yeah, I was very lucky to have a fantastic mom and dad. My mom's still here, and she she's still. Fantastic. Uh, Mom was always at home with us, so she was always very creative. She, she was always making things or encouraged me to make stuff or read me stories or um, would read me the credits of the end of cartoons so I know what they meant. Right. You know, things like that. Yeah. And Dad, uh, he was a manager at British Gas, but Dad was disabled. Dad was, uh, he had an artificial left leg. So, but to me, he was just Dad. Yeah, of course. So I grew up around that to me, dad was just, that's that was the norm to me. And, and and again, I think from a very early age, that kind of made me treat everyone with a sense of equality uh, and to look out for other people as well, you know, that might be different to how you are. Yes, And it can sound really over, overly simplistic, but that really is how it was. You know, as a, as a kid, I, if I ever saw, say, somebody blocking a curb, I'd make sure you know, they move or if there was something that that would affect someone in a way because they hadn't considered the impact that could have to somebody else, I would just make a point as a kid of just saying, of, of doing something about it, basically. And that stayed with me ever since I was little. But you wouldn't even know that dad was disabled, apart from when you go through a metal detector <laughs> in an airport. <laughs> or when you go to get him, you know, bring up some toast in the morning when I was at school and, and, and you know, his legs in the corner of the room. But... Dad was always active. He loved sport even though he, you know, he was disabled. Um he walked around like anyone else, but he, you know, in my last year of school, my mom, while dad was at work, got a phone call basically saying it was Pinewood Studios and that they were doing a remake of the film Treasure Island and because CGI hadn't been invented yet, they needed somebody that could be a body double for Long John Silver in back shots. Wow. Right. Now at which point, on the phone, my mom said, Gordon, is that you? But it was actually somebody from Pinewood Studios. And they invited my mom and my dad to go down and chat with the director of this film. Well, this is weird. So uh, my mom and dad, they got to the gates of Pinewood Studios and they sort of turned to each other before they pressed the buzzer and said, this could still be a joke, you know. So they go in and Charlton Heston's son is there. No way. Fraser Heston. And he was directing the film. It was called Devil's Treasure originally, and then they, they changed it to Treasure Island. And my dad had a costume fitting, and the only thing that was different between dad's height and John Heston's height was his shoes. Really? Yeah, his build. Yeah, and what it was because dad was sporty. He played archery, basically, It's a way of staying, um, you know, sporty when he was, you know, disabled. And they were he was on this register, and that's how they found him. Being on this register for archery and for sport meant that they were able to find someone that was the right height with the right missing bit.
1: Right.
0: So anyway, um, he got the gig Mm. and they flew him to Jamaica on his birthday. You're kidding. So basically my dad ended up stunt doubling for Charlton Heston in Jamaica for a remake of Treasure Island directed by Fraser Heston and um, he was working with Christian Bale Pete Puffleswaite, Clive Woods Oliver Reed Charlton Heston it was and, and you know that's to go incredible. from something yeah to see go from I was impressed by you was,
1: sitting next to Peter K but that trumps everything
0: dad's <laughs> yeah, rock and roll man but it was it was amazing and then in this original meeting with them they went for a little lunch in this little outdoor nice little garden party tent thing yeah and uh, my my mom went off to get a, a salad and then uh, Christopher Lee came and sat down in, my, in where my mom was sitting <laughs> next to Charlton Heston, and uh, Charlton said, "I'm sorry, Chris, Anne's sitting there." Wow, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing! It's was, it was just so, so surreal. And um, and on my dad's actual birthday. My dad came, walked in for dinner, and they'd had a, a cake made up for him. And, and all of these people started singing happy birthday to my dad. That's amazing. And dad even got a mention on Wogan. I've still got the video of it, of Charlton Heston talking about working on Treasure Island. And he mentions my dad. Oh. And uh, the soundbite I love is, a fine fellow, red silk. Couldn't have done it without him.
1: Wow. See, I bet Charlton Heston's never talked about you. I
0: bet he hasn't. See, no? my dad, my dad's winning. <laughs> yeah.
1: So when did, because your dad passed away, didn't he? Um, was that sort of?
0: 2005. Right. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Yeah. I still miss him like crazy, but I'm so glad that he got to see me do all right. You know, yeah. he, he saw me have success in my career. He saw me have the most important thing, which is Health. He 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 saw me have some real successes, and I'm so glad that that was the case. And and he loved my house, my the place that I am now. I bought this place a good few years ago. Just it was a couple of years before we lost dad. And I remember saying to dad, "I love this house. I love my house." And and he said to me, "That's not your house. This is your home." I'm just over the moon that he got to see. That yes, because you know there's there's always one more thing that you don't get to see, and that's okay. But the fact that but and mom still does, and, and she adores it. And mom was there in a in a very nice box at the Royal Albert Hall for the Star Wars Symphony. Excellent. And to have that and friends and you know around you for for a moment like that was just treasure.
1: Yeah. Well, sounds like they did a bloody good job of bringing you up. Oh,
0: so. They did and you're all very right. lucky to have them. Oh, I adore the hell out of them and I still do. My mum is, uh, my mom's looking after honey today. Right. Just while I went to Costco.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Costco again. Is off. You know, it's, it's a while since you've left the house, isn't it? Because it's three times now that you've mentioned Costco.
0: <laughs> oh my God, their cleaning wipes are the best. <laughs> so showbiz. I know. <laughs> you haven't lived if you haven't gone to Costco.
1: I know, I know. I love that, um, you know, you've mentioned um, Thunderbirds once and Charlton Heston a couple of times and then Costco three times. So. Costco, yeah. yeah. I can yeah, really, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's had I a major have, effect I on have, you. I haven't mentioned working with George Lucas once. No. I, and you go, yeah, but does he use Costco wipes? I bet he doesn't. <laughs> I might send him some.
1: I think he should. <laughs> then you might get another part in his next film.
0: <laughs> oh my God, it's just such a thrill. Yeah. You've been listening to Tales from the Tanoi with Eleanor Hamilton and Mark Silk with music from Beats Bakery. This podcast was produced by Carl Svensson from Tadar Media. The voice of Exmo in Star Wars Episode 1. Scooby-Dooby-Doo! <laughs> like it's really creepy, Scoob! John... <laughs> hey, hang on, you, here, still Rebecca. Hang on, hang on. Uh, Fifi in the Flower Tops, Bouncing Bloopers, Fifi It kind of goes on There's lots and lots of voices There was Lego City as well Loads and loads of characters for Lego movies Lego mini movies What else you got?
1: That's amazing
0: (laughs) The voice of Bob's Butchers, Pork Street Porkington On Local FM He's got all kinds of meat you'll be wanting to eat Fancy a banker Not with my knees (laughs) Hehehehe! <laughs>